Well, hello there, Groundswell. Happy New Year. If we haven't met before, my name is Tammy. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are so thrilled that you chose to join us today as we kick off a new series. If you are anything like me, when a new year rolls around, you immediately have an entire list of things that you want to change. You know, the whole new year, new you sort of situation. Whether it's getting your house more organized or building in regular exercise times, or maybe it's losing weight or getting better at managing your finances, developing better sleep hygiene or creating a morning routine, drinking less coffee, although I have no idea why anyone would ever want to do that to themselves, eating less junk food maybe, spending less money, spending less time working and, and more time with your family. Or maybe you want to volunteer more, invest more time in your community, travel more. Maybe you want to grow in your prayer life, develop some spiritual disciplines. We often set goals at this time of year or, or resolutions, but did you know that statistically 92% of those New Year's resolutions actually never last very long? Now, I personally, I am a serious night hawk. And what always happens to me over the holidays is little by little, my bedtime gets later and later, which also means the time I get up gets later and later. So as the new year approaches and my schedule needs to get a little more back to normal, I am faced with trying to improve my sleep routine or maybe establish a sleep routine might be a little bit more accurate. So I do all the things, right? I set my watch for the time I want to get up every morning. Then I also set it to notify me when it's time for me to start getting ready for bed. I stop looking at screens an hour before my bedtime. And this past week or two, I've been kind of preparing for this series. So I I've been rereading uh, a book by James Clear called Atomic Habits. I've been listening to and watching teaching by Craig Rochelle on building good habits and habits of a leader and setting yourself up for success. I've been doing all of these things. And then Wednesday night, I picked up a new novel I got for Christmas about an hour before my set bedtime reminder. And I just planned to read, you know, a couple chapters before bed. And the next thing I knew, it was two o'clock in the morning. And I had a 9.30 meeting the next morning. Does that ever happen to you? <laughs> you know, you have all the best intentions. You, you plan to, to lose the weight or to save the money or to, to read your Bible every day. And before you know it, you're right back where you started stuck in your old habits before you even know it. Why is that? Craig Rochelle says, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. 
Now, I just want to say right from the very beginning, there are new, no new ideas here. I, I've been reading Atomic Habits. A lot of these ideas come from that book, which come from all kinds of other authors. And a lot of what I'm going to say today comes from leadership development and, and some tr teaching from Craig Rochelle around habits of successful leaders. There, there are no new ideas here, but there's something comforting about knowing that this has been the same over time. And if other people have figured it out, then we can figure it out too. Success, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Now you probably have someone in your life that you admire who has accomplished something in their life that you would actually like to do. Maybe it's financial freedom. I can almost guarantee you that that person that you look up to, they have been consistently doing something that most of us only do occasionally. Spending less time, or spending less than you earn, paying off debt quickly, putting money into savings, investing bit by bit consistently over time. And because they developed good financial habits that they have stuck with, they have been successful at financial freedom. There are a few people I really look up to who are incredibly biblically literate. Like they really know their Bible. They can quote all kinds of passages of scripture. They always seem to have solid biblical answers for challenges that people are facing in their life. And it has obviously shaped them for the time that they have spent in God's word, because not only can they recite it, they, they actually live it out. And I can 100% guarantee that they have been consistently doing what many of us only do occasionally day after day, setting aside time to read their Bible, study God's word, listen to what God is saying to them through the scriptures. It's not rocket science. The process is actually quite simple, but the implementation is where we often get hung up. The Apostle Paul talks about this exact same thing in the book of Romans. Now, the book of Romans is a section of the Bible. It's in the New Testament, which is the section of the Bible towards the end that chronicles the life of Jesus and his followers. And Paul says this, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Like I know I shouldn't eat those chips or order more stuff on Amazon or scroll endlessly on Instagram or TikTok, but I do it anyway. So why is it that we generally fail when we try to make these changes? And what can we actually do about it? That's what we're going to be looking at over these next number of weeks in this series. But today, let's look at three reasons why we don't typically succeed. Number one, we don't understand how to get there. Now, whether we are successful or unsuccessful, most of us have similar goals. We want to be healthy. 
We want to live a long life. We want deep, meaningful relationships. We want financial stability or financial freedom. If you're a follower of Jesus, we want to grow in our relationship with him. We want to develop spiritual disciplines. We want to use our gifts to make a difference in the world. And our tendency is to set goals for ourselves in hopes that we might achieve them. Now, goals aren't necessarily bad. They can be really good. But it's what we do to accomplish them that really matters. And no one goes into a new school year thinking, man, I really hope I fail this year. Of course they don't. No entrepreneur goes into a new business venture with the goal to lose all their investment. No, their hope is that it will be wildly successful and make them lots of money. And regardless of our level of success, we actually all have very similar goals. But simply setting a goal isn't enough. Goals don't determine success. Systems do. Systems determine success. In Atomic Habits, James Clear says this, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. You actually see it in the life of Jesus. He knew that in order to accomplish his purpose on earth, he needed to spend time with God. And you see this pattern, this habit of Jesus rising early in the morning or withdrawing from the crowds to seek solitude. He had a habit of solitude and time with God in prayer. Spiritual disciplines or habits that enabled him to be led and strengthened by God for his purposes, for his work here on earth. So let's say that I want to read the entire Bible this year. Right? This is a great goal. Lots of us start the year wanting to read the Bible in a year, and it's totally doable. But how am I going to do it? How can I increase my chances of actually being successful at my goal? I need a system. And maybe I need to start with a reading plan to know exactly what I need to read every day. Or maybe I need to take it a step further and I need to use a reading plan that is on an app that gives me reminders. So every morning I can set it at 8 a.m. I will get a reminder on my phone that tells me to read the Bible. And if I really want to increase my chances, maybe I choose to do this plan with other people and we make a group chat. And every day we comment something that we learned in our Bible reading that, you know, it helps us stay accountable to each other. We're building, I'm building a system to help me reach my goal. Now, we're not just saying we want to read the entire Bible in a year. We're creating a system. And if we just work the system, we will inevitably reach our goal. Oftentimes, we just sort of focus on the result that we want. Like, I want to read the Bible in one year. I want to get healthy. I want to get organized. I want to spend more time with Jesus. But we don't actually build a system to support it. But if we fix what we do, the outcome actually fixes itself. So we're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come, how we do that. But that, that's kind of the first thing, that, that we need to build these systems. 
Number two, the, the second thing that kind of maybe holds us back, progress is too slow. Like, does this ever happen to you? You you start out wanting to get healthier, more physically fit. So you start exercising and maybe you get to the gym three or four times a week. And, and then you think, nah, I went to the gym. I must be making a difference until you kind of run up a set of stairs and you're still out of breath. And you think, was it even worth it? Or, or maybe every month you have been putting some money into an investment. And then you go look at it with excitement to see how much money you've made and you've actually lost money because of the market. And you're like, why, am I, why do I bother? Or you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus. You want to know him more. You want to be able to hear his voice, be led more by him. So you start praying every day. You set aside time every morning to be in his presence, to listen. And after doing that for three or four days, you don't feel any different. You haven't had any, there haven't been any burning bush experiences where you have audibly heard the voice of God. And because you're not seeing much progress, you wrongly conclude that all of those small good decisions every day aren't actually making any difference at all. Well, we can also flip this around. So let's say you skip a day at the gym and well, you don't really see any immediate problem with that. There's no real immediate difference. So what's one more day? Or you spend that money that you were supposed to be investing this week on takeout and it didn't really change your bottom line all that much. So it's not really a big deal if you skip that investment every once in a while or you get out of the routine and, and you skip a few mornings of spending time with Jesus. And well, it didn't turn you into a terrible person. You're not off doing all kinds of things you shouldn't be. So maybe it doesn't really matter. And you wrongly conclude that all those small bad decisions don't matter that much either. When the truth is your future self is actually being built on all of those small decisions that you make every single day, good or bad. No one woke up one morning and said, I want to be an addict or I want to ruin my marriage. It was a progression of one small decision after another. It's rarely one terrible decision but rather an accumulation, a series of small bad choices over time that can end up completely wrecking your life. Which also means the opposite is true. Small good choices over time, they accumulate, they build up. Every hour you put in at the gym, every dollar you put into savings, every minute spent with Jesus, hard work over time making the sacrifices, being faithful and disciplined. It gets stored up over time and eventually leads to the desired outcome. In Galatians 6, 9, it says this, let us not become weary of doing good 
But at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There is nothing at all glamorous about consistently making small, good choices over time. And even, honestly, even when you do accomplish that goal, it's likely that people will look at you and come up with all kinds of ridiculous explanations as to why it was so easy for you. But what they don't see is every time you got up in the cold, got out of bed in the cold and you just really wanted to stay wrapped up in your warm blankets or every moment of self-doubt you had to overcome, or the times you failed and started over, the hours spent in prayer crying out to God, the days you got up 30 minutes early so you could spend time with Jesus when the night before your child had nightmares and was up half the night. What they don't see is your sacrifice, your persistence, the late nights and early mornings, the small consistent disciplines that you've built into your life over time that have now accumulated. It's the things that, that no one else sees, the things that no one knows about that actually bring the results that we want. So we don't understand how we get there. Progress is too slow. And the third thing is, our success is sabotaged by our distorted view of ourself. Now, I can't get up early. I'm not a morning person. I've said that one before. I, I can't stick with it. I'm not disciplined enough or I'm not organized enough. I'm terrible at handling money, so I'm just not gonna be able to do it. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. Or how about this one? I don't deserve it. Any of those sound familiar? In Romans, Paul said, like, I don't, I don't understand why I do all these things. Like, I know what is right. I know what I should do, but I always seem to do the opposite. I can't seem to stick with it. But then he continues and he says this, oh, what a miserable person I am. It's kind of dramatic, but that's how he feels. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then he says, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, even Paul connects his failures to his identity. He's like, I'm not good at it, so I must be a terrible person. But in the book of Exodus, there are other characters within the Bible that have these same struggles where they kind of associate their identity with their failures. And in the book of Exodus, which is a section of the Old Testament, God comes to Moses in the form of a burning bush. And he instructs him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt where they've been slaves, they've been captive. And Moses immediately responds to God saying this, Oh Lord, I am not very good with words. I never have been. I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue tied and my words get tangled. So he's like, no, 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 no. Like, don't pick me. I, I can't do it. Like, I don't speak well. No one's going to listen to me. 
The enemy of your soul loves to tell you what you are not. Loves to make you believe that because you did something bad, that you are a bad person. Loves to whisper in your ear that because you failed in the past, you're a failure and you will never succeed in the future. And that unhealthy identity that we can often have of ourselves, it feeds unwise choices. Like I have an addictive personality, so I'm always going to be an addict. I'm never going to change because that's just who I am. But it's simply not true. Listen to how God responds to Moses. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who declares whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. Your past self does not determine your future self. Let me say it one more time. Your past self does not determine your future self. The way you see yourself does not determine your future you. If you are in Christ, if you have committed your life to following him and received his free gift of grace, you are a child of God. You are forgiven and redeemed. You are set free. You are an overcomer and you are seen and loved and valued by God. In Romans 6, it says this. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. So my question for you as we start off this new year, it's not what goals do you want to set? It's not what resolutions do you want to accomplish? My question for us is who do you want to become? I've done a lot of leadership development over the years and one of the activities that they often get you to do is to actually write your own eulogy. Now, I know it sounds a little bit morbid, but the purpose of writing it is to kind of help you determine what kind of person you want to be, who you want to become. At the end of your life, when someone stands in front of your friends and family and and talks about what kind of a person you were, what would you like them to say? How, How do you want to be remembered? Because if you know who you are, you'll know what to do. When you define who you want to be, you determine what you need to do. So if you know that you want to be a devoted devoted follower of Jesus, then you do what devoted followers of Jesus do. If you, you know you want to be a godly husband, then you do what godly husbands do. 
If you know that you want to be someone who is financially stable and radically generous, then you do what financially stable and radically generous people do. There is a reason why people wear those, used to wear those bracelets that said, what would Jesus do? Because if we want to be more like Jesus, we need to do what Jesus did. So let's start this year. Let's, let's begin 2024 by determining who we want to become. Write out your eulogy if it helps. And let's work towards that one small consistent step at a time. And when we fail, because we will, it doesn't make us a failure. It simply means that we are someone on a journey with Jesus. So don't grow weary of doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you today for your word. Lord, we thank you for this new year, for 2024. And for some of us, Lord, 2023 was really tough. And we were kind of looking forward into 2024 with expectation. But Lord, let us not set our sights on something that isn't from you. Lord, we pray that as we start this year, you would direct our path. That Lord, as we pursue you, as we pursue who we want to become, as we pursue that the person that you have created us to be, that Lord, you would walk with us, that you would remind us of who we are, that you would draw near to us and, and we would experience your presence in our midst. And Lord, I pray for our entire church today. Lord, I pray that in this year, it would be a time where we would experience your presence in new and fresh ways. Lord, we want to see more of you at work in our midst. We want to see more of the miraculous. Lord, we want to, to see more of your the work of your spirit among us. And so Lord, we know that that means we need to dedicate ourselves to you and devote ourselves to you. So Lord, in this week, would you help us to see who it is that you want us to become? That we could begin to build systems and disciplines that we could become the people that you've created us to be. We pray all these things in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.